Hello and welcome to the Fire Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rhodes. This is part two of my conversation with Jonah Coyne. So if you missed the first part, make sure you skip back to episode 50, which is part one. Uh, you don't want to miss the, the first part of this conversation. Jonah Coyne and his wife, Alexis, are the co-founders of Stay Here, a faith-based mental health organization with a mission to see Gen Z suicide-free. Before launching Stay Here, Jonah was a youth pastor in Bonnie Lake, Washington for five years. Prior to pastoring, he studied at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry in Redding, California. Jonah, Alexis, and their two children currently live in the Seattle area and are passionate about the next generation following Jesus and walking in freedom. I hope you enjoyed the first part of this conversation. Jonah is uh, is, is such a deep well and the fire that's in him uh, needs to be experienced by more people. And so I hope you got a taste of that. I hope you got a taste of, uh, of his love for Jesus and just the hunger he carries and just even his, his, his passion for, uh, for Gen Z and, and impacting uh, a generation that it, uh, is, is lost and looking for hope. And so uh, we are going to jump into this conversation right away after a quick sponsor segment. Religion loves Jesus the teacher, is even okay with Jesus the prophet. Religion is not okay with Jesus the breaker of bondage, the transformer of hearts, the savior of nations. Because the real Jesus is the anointed one. He doesn't just have good teachings. He is the, the breaker of bondage. He will transform you. But you got to go after knowing him more. He's worth it. He's worth, he's worth your time. He's worth your life. And there's, there's nothing, this, this city, this nation, the nations of the world are not going to be transformed by a satisfied people. They're going to be transformed by lovesick warriors. Because if he's for us, who can be against us? If the king of the universe and all of his goodness, all of his backing, if all of heaven is for you, is standing behind you, supporting you, how, how could anything succeed against you? How could you fail? We could, we could change the world. That's not just a fun phrase. If you'll give your life to this thing, to the real thing, if you'll find the real Jesus, the one who burns with eyes of fire, if you'll get a real hunger in your belly, there is nothing that can stop you. It costs much, but it's worth the cost. It costs everything. This is the Fire Podcast. Well, I'm back here with Jonah Coyne. Woohoo! Yeah, first <laughs> first part of our conversation was was just straight fire. So I'm excited that's, about this one. It's awesome, man. Yeah. At the end of our, uh, of the last uh, podcast, I asked you this question: What does the more look like in the coming days? And so I just want to start there. What do you? We're talking about there being a desire for for the more, um, the, a hunger for the more, especially the younger generation. They they need the more. They need us to not hold back Holy Spirit from them and actually yes. teach them scripture at the same time. But what does the more look like in the coming days? What's what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, such a good question. Um, I really think that we, uh, in our in our in our hopes to really disciple people, we have put Jesus in a box. Um, in most of our churches, especially in America, I, I can't really speak for churches around the world. 
Um, cause I've, I've been to places like Brazil, um, dunamis, how many, you know, dunamis, right, Ryan? Yeah. Yeah. And they are going after it. There's pockets of revival and moves of God all over the earth, but primarily in America, I feel like we have limited Jesus and we've put him in a box. And to me, the more looks like going back to, um, what we see in scripture, because, you know, the word says he is God is Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means what he did back then he wants to do now. And I would go as far as to say that he wants to do even more. You know, yeah. you read John 14, 12, Jesus, it's the John teens, 14 through 17, some of the greatest chapters in the Bible, dare I say the best, like it's for me, I could read those all day long. And Jesus says, if you believe in me, you will do the same works that I do and greater works. And it's crazy if you if you say that verse around Christian circles, there's so much debate on what Jesus is actually saying. Yeah, what like, that actually mean? Like, what does that actually mean? What's great? Does he mean quantity? Does he mean quality? I'm like, that greater works, actually, he is referencing miracles. If you if you break down Greek, Aramaic, you go you go back to what he originally saying. He is saying, "Hey, what I am doing, you will do. These miracles that I am doing, it's not just for me. Um, Jesus, I believe, he healed to show us that we can heal. It wasn't just yeah. to show that God can heal. He's showing that through a man's body, through flesh, I am healing to prove that you can do these things too. And so if we look at what Jesus did and we're not doing them, there's an issue there. Because mm. when Jesus, uh, at the end of his life, he said in John 20, 21, he said, or actually this is after he raised from the dead, he breathes on the disciples and he says, peace be with you as the father sent me, I am sending you. What, now, what's that mean? <laughs> well, the Bible says this. It says in 1 John 3, 8, it says that I was sent, Jesus was sent to destroy the works of the devil. Hmm. And so you have to think about what is the mission and mandate that, that the Father sent Jesus to do in his earthly ministry? And if Jesus is saying that the Father's sending you in that very same way, then we have to ask ourselves, why are we not operating in the same function that Jesus walked in? Hmm. Is, is this making sense in that same function yeah. of are we seeing the sick healed? Are we seeing demons cast out? Are we seeing, you know, we, you can't just you can't just say it's just for miracles. It's for so many things, other things, too. Like, are you loving widows and orphans? Are you loving people that don't look like you, talk like you, walk like you? Are you a friend of sinners? Are you seeing Christ in you and on you manifest to the world around you? And then when you, when you fast forward to the book of Acts, you're seeing these apostles and these Christians walk in those same and greater works. I mean, yeah. talk about Peter. People, people would try to um, put their sick friends in Peter's shadow when he would walk down the street. Because they believed, if I just get under Peter's shadow, if I just get close enough to Peter... I could be healed of my infirmity. That to me, bro, is the more. Um, or Paul, yeah. you know, Paul the apostle, they would send 
pieces of his clothing to people who were demonized, sick, even dead people to see his the, the anointing that was on them touch them so they can get healed, set free, raised from the dead. These are greater works. This to me is the more. And what's scary is when we have doctrine that goes around like, uh, what's it called? Sensationism. Uh, where cessationism, cessationism yeah. that's it where yeah. where they teach you know the works of the works of the spirit the gifts of the spirit died with the apostles well it doesn't yes they are they're dead the apostles are dead but the holy spirit's not mm-hmm. <laughs> so i'm like what what did the holy spirit just take a vacation did the holy spirit retire where did he go because it, you, you got the book i'm i'm, I'm out yeah, of here. <laughs> here here's the bible and then so we've replaced god the father god the son God, the Holy Spirit with God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Bible in a lot of our church cultures. And we've kicked Holy Spirit out in the expressions that he operates in and moves in. And Mm -hmm. for me, man, I am so passionate about the church being equipped to its original intent where we are seeing the acts and the working of the Holy Spirit in our everyday life. And um, it is, it's sad and alarming when you look at, especially the church in America, and you don't see what you read in scripture mm. concerning miracles, concerning um, people being saved in mass numbers like they saw in the book of Acts. I mean, after Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved on, on that first day after the Holy Spirit poured out in Acts chapter 2. That is what happens when God's spirit comes on an individual is he takes your ability and he completely puts his ability on your ability. And so the more to me in these coming days, to go back to your question, is we need to go, I feel like, backwards to go forward a little bit and to revisit church history, revisit what what you see in scripture and go, if it's in the Bible, if it's in the word of God, I have access to it. If, if, yeah. it's, if it's working through ordinary people who just have been with Jesus and know Jesus, then that means I have access to it and I can do it too. And it's mm. crazy, bro. Like when I got filled with the Holy Spirit as a teenager, I started healing the sick the, the week after I was filled with the Holy Spirit because someone told me <laughs> I can. I, I was seeing yeah. legs grow out, backs get healed. Um, and I became addicted to seeing people get healed. I remember me and my brother, you know, just going like, Hey, we haven't seen anybody healed this week. Let's go to Walmart and let's find someone with crutches. You know, Walmart's a great place to release the Holy spirit, bro. Like (laughs) I feel like people need God in Walmart. And so we would, we would go to Walmart and I remember it was almost every time we would see Jesus heal people, save people just because we were willing and we learned at a young age that God wants to use not just a pastor. He wants to use the everyday believer. He doesn't want to just use the man of God with a microphone who has all of this influence. He wants to use the person who works at Starbucks just as much as he uses the pastor preaching at the local church. And we need to make more room for the Holy Spirit. We need to actually give him our whole life, not just make room for him. We need to, we yeah. need to yield everything. And I think then we'll see what, what's in here. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's a, it's alarming too. And, and I'm, I know this is a long rant, but 
it's alarming when you see people in the Old Testament doing greater works than people who are in a new covenant reality today. Wow. And I'll, yeah. let me explain that. Like when you read, when you hear about the Elijah and the Elisha story about these prophets, when Elisha, after which there is a definite New Testament parallel here, when Elijah goes up and Elisha, which is his spiritual son, prophet in the making, young prophet, when, Eli when Elisha sees Elijah, his spiritual father, ascending into heaven, which makes you think about Jesus, because Jesus and Elijah are the only two people that we know of ascending. Some people would say Enoch, but it doesn't say ascending. Elijah's going up, Elisha's looking, and then he, the mantle of his spiritual father drops on him, and he receives mm. a double portion of his spiritual father's gifting. Wow, wow. And then he takes this cloak and he does what he just saw his spiritual father do. And he says, where is the God of Elijah? He whips the water. It's the Jordan River and the Jordan River parts. It splits in two and he walks across dry ground. And this is what the prophets said who saw that whole thing happen. There was 50 prophets. This is in second Kings chapter two. They said the spirit that was resting on Elijah is now resting on Elisha and they all bowed down. And from that day forward, Elisha was doing greater works than his spiritual father. He, after that, he raised a boy from the dead by laying on him. That's crazy. This is in the old Testament. He's mm -hmm. uh, multiplying oil, multiplying food, seeing uh, healed Naaman leprosy. He's seeing the, almost like these new covenant realities taking place through his life. And this is the part I want to get to in second Corinthians chapter three, it says that the glory of the old Testament is fading and it doesn't even compare to the glory that's in the new covenant. And so we read these old Testament stories and we, and I think a lot of us just read them as stories now and we go like, Oh, that's just for those crazy prophets. And I would say, no, if you see it in the life of Jesus and in the apostles, then we should be doing these things. And I don't know about you, bro, but like having childlike faith, I read these stories and I'm like, I want to walk on water. You know, like, yeah. I don't, I don't want to just be that, have that be for Peter or I, I want to raise the dead. I want to see these miracles in my life. I can't just sit around even this, you know, and I know, I know I'm going on and on and on about this, but in Matthew 10, eight, Jesus sends out 72 disciples in Matthew chapter 10 in verse eight, it says this. Go out, preach the kingdom of God, heal the sick, cleanse those with leprosies, raise the dead, and cast out demons. And these disciples were not even saved yet mm -hmm. or filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, and Jesus is saying, like, the blood's not even been shed. Jesus has not even ascended to the right hand of the Father yet. They're not even clothed with power. And just by using his name and by giving delegated authority they are doing the same things that they're seeing Jesus do. And I want to fast forward really quick to the Ascension and just kind of paint this parallel between Elijah and Elisha and Jesus and his disciples. I think the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the clothing of the Holy Spirit, you could say, because Jesus says, if you wait in Jerusalem, you'll be clothed. What did Elisha receive? A cloak, clothing. Yeah. 
and that, that would rest it on him. Jesus says, you'll be clothed with power and you'll be my witnesses. I believe, and I can't, wow. uh, this is a conversation. This is my opinion right now. I'm still unpacking this revelation. I believe you could almost go on to say that we've received a double portion of what was on Jesus's life. Now, what I'm not saying is, is we're not the savior of the world. No, no, we're even close. But when Jesus says in John 14, 12, you will do greater works. I think the only way that that's possible is there's something that we've received that we don't even understand. <laughs> you know, like we're just unpacking this, that we are able to walk in something now that he's gone to be with the father. Cause that's what he says. I'm going to go and be with the father. So so that this could be a reality for you. There's something that we have access to that we're not tapping into. And um, so I, I would love Absolutely. to unpack that with you, bro, because I know that you, you're you a student of this stuff as well. But this is something that I'm going after with, Man. you know, with my wife in my own personal life and going like, you know what? There's so much more in this walk with the Lord. And I don't want to get to heaven and go like, wait a second, I had access to all of that. Hmm. Like I had access to this. This is what you died for me to have. And I never tapped into it. I don't want to get there and think wow. that I, I want to get to heaven and go like I lived with the fullness of the Godhead in me. And I, and I actually stepped into a reality that Christ laid hold of for me. It's like what Paul said, I'm pressing on to lay hold of what he already laid hold of for me. That's what Paul is saying. So I, I'm, yeah. I'm pressing on towards this, this reality that we see in so many Christians, even in the past, you know, you talk about old revivalists like John G Lake, Smith Wigglesworth, uh, Catherine Coleman, you know, some of their stories are just wild. And you, and I, I, it's sad when I go, where are the people who are doing what they did? And they were doing it hundreds of years ago. Where are the people who are seeing maim people healed, which are people without limbs? Mm. Wigglesworth saw that stuff. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. it blows my mind. So I can keep going, bro. But I mean, jump in. Yeah, I have so many thoughts, but my, my mind's kind of blown. I One thing on this podcast, I, I really love... Um, I love the things that are in scripture where, where there's parallels and like the gospel being preached in the old Testament mm. and things like that. Um, I've never heard anybody talk about that or thought of it in that way. Elijah, you know, going, going to heaven, the mantle falling is like the coming mm. of the Holy spirit. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know if we have a double portion compared to <laughs> yeah. Jesus or not, but um, we're definitely, I, I, what I would say to that though, is like of the, of the portion that is our call. Cause like, we don't have the full call yes. of Jesus. Like Jesus died for the yes. sins of humanity. 100%. We're not doing that. Um, but he did demonstrate to us what a man empowered and submitted to the Holy That's spirit right. could do. And, um, and then says better for me to go. So it's better for him to leave. So the Holy spirit could come and in which was a multiplication. So now what he was doing individually could be multiplied towards right. every believing believer. And, um, man, and can I say so, something into so that there. too? Like these, yeah. I love, I'm so about this too. I love parallels. And when, when you see two Elijah going up to, there's two things that are mentioned and it's fire and wind. 
So it's, it's a, it's mm-hmm. fire chariots of fire taken up in a whirlwind. Well, what came down at Pentecost? What were the two, two things that you see fire, fire and wind. wind? Yeah. And so I think wow. God is showing, Hey, and this is, this is also crazy. I just, I just learned this from, um, uh, messianic rabbi, which is a, a Jewish Christian <laughs> who really knows scripture. And, uh, he said that, uh, um, Elijah and Elisha is the first, um, rabbi and discipleship relationship that you can see in scripture. And it's what most mm. rabbis, um, point to, to go like, this is what it's supposed to look like in passing the baton to your disciples. And so you, this is where my mind goes is Jesus's disciples are thinking back to the story. I I would like to go there when they're watching Jesus ascend. I think they're wondering in Mm. their mind, like, and what did the angels say to the angels that showed up? This is in Acts chapter one. They said, why are you guys still looking up? Maybe because they were waiting for something to come down. I don't know. know, Who knows? We don't, we don't know That's, why, but yeah. they, he, they say, hey, just the way that he went up, he's going to come back. He's going to come back down, um, which is you could say that's the second coming or you could even say Acts chapter Acts chapter two, Pentecost. Uh, he came through the Holy Spirit. So I don't know, bro. I love unpacking this stuff, but. Yeah, well, and I, I think, too, like, you know, so um, the difference between Elijah and Elisha is. Um, with the the proportion is almost proportioned to the need of mm. of their calling, and so the miracles, like you know, the miracles were, were mm-hmm. double um, for Elisha versus Elijah, and so thinking about that in, in regards to Jesus, like he had he had three mm. years on the earth, um, and so it it would make sense that he lived three years and then leaves, gives us the Holy Spirit, so we're clothed with with power from on high that we would see, you know, double, a double portion of what yes. he carried. Um, so a lot of that makes, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, one, one thing you said that I think it kind of triggered something in my mind a little bit ago, you mentioned how the, the disciples uh, of Jesus were, they weren't even saved. They weren't filled with the Holy spirit, doing but it. they were, uh, yeah, they were doing the stuff and, and then talking about revival history, I know that that was the case for Lonnie Frisbee, wow. same kind of thing. Like he was, he was leading people in the mountains with a Bible on acid and stuff, you know, like baptizing people until God confronted him and said, now you're really mm. going to do this for me. Um, and so that's how he got saved. He was already doing it. He was already moving in, in some of the stuff. And I, I just like, I, I feel like um, as leaders, like we're so protective and, and, to the, to the mm. point of controlling, you know, sometimes, and we're scared of what that could look like. But then you look at Jesus and he's like giving this crazy power um, and authority to unbelievers, essentially, um, still willing to be yes. in it with them. Like, you know, he didn't turn over everything. And, but they, to the point that they thought they could call down fire on a city, <laughs> you know, and like, they're like experiencing such power mm. moving through them. Um and I, I just, I wonder what that says about what's coming. Wow. Um, and I, I think about with, with the Jesus movement specifically, the two groups that the church, you know, every, this is an assumption. I've never heard anybody say this, but I'm assuming like 
if I, if I was, if, if I was in that place, I'd be looking at, okay, the next great awakening is going to happen through Bethel, through one of these spirit filled communities. There's all kinds of Pentecostal churches. This is post Azusa. Like there's things are moving. This is coming out of uh, only a couple decades removed from the healing revivals yes. of the fifties. So there's some like good, there's gotta be some good spirit filled churches somewhere. And then God pours out his spirit in Catholic churches and with hippies, he with the religious and with the ones that no one brought into the no, church. I, the I, I didn't even know complained. that about Catholic churches that happened in the Jesus movement. Yeah, it was the charismatic uh, renewal uh, of the Catholic Church, and so it actually it was it was birthed in uh, Duquesne, uh, which is in Pittsburgh, Duquesne. So basically there was this, this group of, uh, it was like two professors and a few students and they, they're reading in the book of Acts, they're Catholics reading in the book of Acts and reading about the outpouring of the Holy spirit. And then they went on a little retreat and they're like, mm. we want this. If this is in the Bible, like this, if the Holy spirit does this, we want it. And they asked for it and God fell and it started happening wow. all over the world. Um, and it's, it's tracked back to, and the Catholic church even acknowledges that it started in Duquesne in Pittsburgh, wow. Pennsylvania. And, uh, and so like, but to the Pentecostal church's surprise, this revival, you know, I'm sure there were people praying for revival. And we always think like revival is going to come to our church <laughs> yeah. and in our ministry and come through us. Like we're the ones. Um, but how crazy is it when you pray for it and then it mm. hits the religious, you know, the ones that we would say like most Protestants wow. even believe were saved. And, and then the hippies who, everyone thought yeah they're they're too far gone they're they're bisexual they're uh yeah. on drugs they don't shower they're you know and and to and then they started trying to come into the churches and the churches started uh wow. complaining because they're they're ruining the carpets they're ruining the the seats and that's what like yeah. chuck, i think it's chuck smith was the one or maybe it was john wimber um one of the two when that started happening they had just got new carpet and the people were like we can't let the hippies be here because of the carpet and he's like, fine, roll up the carpet. So they removed all the carpet so the hippies could come. And uh, my spiritual grandfather, he uh, um, has since passed. His name's Jim Herb. And uh, he, during that time, at the same time in Niles, Ohio, um, as everything was all, like mm -hmm. happening on the West Coast and people were being baptized in the Pacific, it broke wow. out in Niles, Ohio, which is like outside of uh, Youngstown area. And... Um, he like he couldn't have them in a church so he got a barn and then the insurance company found out that they had you know hippies who were smoking weed and stuff in the barn while he would preach and so then they had to meet in the field and it ended up being like thousands of people um up to like i think 37,000 37,000 um yeah these like jesus these jesus festivals that they threw and just like it, they were just coming but I'm just like, I'm looking to the coming movement and for uh, over a decade now, I've had this thought and I, I think now with Gen Z, it's making more sense. But back then I really felt like it would be the hippies of our day are in a lot of ways, they're the, the mm. LGBT community. They're, it, it's the community that's like, yeah, God, God's probably going to move, but it, it's not going to hit them, you know, or God's, God's probably going to move, but it's going to be in a Pentecostal wow. or charismatic church. It's not going to be in the Methodist church, or it's not going to be with the Baptists or, you know, or the Catholic church. Like, and I just wonder if we're about to see something like that again, where we have people who are not, they're not even fully, they're not even saved yet. 
preaching the gospel or doing the stuff. And, and maybe that's part of discipleship. Maybe part of discipleship is like, Hey, let me teach you about this. And, and then they go and do it and you disciple them through it before they even wow. really meet God. But I think as leaders, like a lot of times we create so many barriers and we like, we don't want them to get a taste of that because if they get a taste of that, then they may wow. not really want Jesus. They might just want the stuff. And so we, we kind of like protect them or even protect us and our ministry uh, until they go get to a certain level, then it's like, okay, now we can trust you to pray mm -hmm. for somebody. Now we can trust you to, to heal the sick. Dude, that's profound. And I mean, I think about it. Uh, I think about, there's two stories in the Bible that, that come to my mind. And one of them is when Jesus goes across the lake to the demoniac uh, of there's mm. they, a lot of people give it um, we've done a bad job at translating that word where he was across the other side. Um, but that word uh, Garcia or where he was from Garrisset, people have all these different tra word translations for it actually means place of outcasts where the outcasts are, which is, mm. which is what the Jews called it. And it was a pagan area that Jews would not go to. They wouldn't go to it. So when Jesus said, we're going oh. to the other side, the disciples knew in their head, we're not going to to Gerasa, are we? Like, you better, because they couldn't even say the word. They were like, we're not going to where the outcasts are. Sure enough, they go and they meet the biggest outcast of them all, an outcast that the outcast outcasted. Mm. <laughs> like, he's worse than all of us. So bad that we're going to tie him up wow. in chains and leave him among the tombs. And that's who met Jesus on the shore. And this is what's so amazing is Jesus sets the man free. We know the story, 2000 pigs, all these demons come out of him. People were so freaked out that they kicked Jesus out. They were like, leave us. This is unbelievable. He's the guy who was naked and it was a crazy man is now sane and in his right mind. And that freaks us out. The next time that Jesus comes back to that place, this man somehow who was untrained, was not a disciple of Jesus, was not a Jew, but a Gentile. His testimony gathered thousands of people to the shore next time Jesus came and taught. Just his story. And I think of things like that, and I'm just like, with what you're saying, God can use a donkey. He can use the worst of the worst. And I think that's what a lot of us are afraid of is like, Hey, like, I don't know if, if we have the worst of the worst in our church and God starts using them, like we can't even wrap our mind around that. Or here's the other story I thought of was, uh, Cornelius was the first Gentile believer who was baptized in the Holy spirit. And Peter you know, had to have a vision of God making the unclean things clean just in order to go to this guy's house and preach the gospel. And what's so amazing about the story is before they even say, yes, we want to be baptized in water, they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. So there was no, it, if you read it, it's in Acts chapter 10. They, they, there's no like what we do in our churches in order, you know, First you get saved, then you should get baptized, yeah. then maybe you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was like reverse for Cornelius and his whole family. They don't even raise their hand. They don't even say, yes, we want Jesus.
They get baptized in the Holy Spirit in the middle of Peter's message. And then they get baptized in water. And then they start, you know, they become Christians, whatever the order you want to put it. And um, so I'm thinking just biblically with you and with what you're saying, I'm just like, yes. And that is a crazy thought because if you, if you think about the outcasts of today and what the church would, would deem as like, these people are just as far as they get you. I do think of the LGBTQ community. I do. I do think of a lot of Gen Zers. Um, and to think of, the Holy Spirit pouring out in a community like that would just be, I can't, I actually can't even think about it. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to follow your thought. I'm like, <laughs> bro. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Cause I, I, any, you know, when you disciple people, you run into this where it's like how much of their, um, their brokenness and things wow. do you confront and when, and, and Jesus, like he, he, so masterfully worked with these 12 guys to recognize like, yeah, you've got a lot of brokenness. I know when to confront it. Um, but I'm also not going to heal it like right now. Like there's a process to this. Like I want to help you mature. And I, I think that we just so quickly want to clean people up and have this perfect testimony immediately. Um, and especially because, I mean, to be honest, Christians, we love we love to take someone and say, look, they just got saved. Like we do it with celebrities all the time. The second they have any kind of inkling towards Jesus, we put them on stage and um, put a big target on their back. Yeah, it's Kanye really West responsible, great example but, of that. Yeah, Kanye Kanye's a great example. Like he needed believers around him. Um, Justin, I mean, Justin's been through it with, from mm -hmm. Christians. I've got friends who work with him and stuff and know him and um Christians yep. have been just as bad to him as everyone else, you know? And, and so like, it's just so important to have people that actually like are protective of you and love you, but also not going to try to hold you back from what God is, so is, good. is doing in you. Like I think about, um, it's, it's kind of interesting because Jesus with, mm -hmm. with the demoniac tells him to go, um, with the, the woman at the well is another one who church history. Have you heard her church history her? story? Like what? No. Um, yeah. It's incredible. So she's known as the first female apostle, uh, which is not talked about very often, actually was an apostle even before the apostles. Um, so she has that encounter with encounter with Jesus. Her name, let me see if I can find it real, wow. real quick here. Um, so basically she, um, so she has her encounter with, uh, with Jesus. She leaves and then she actually leads a revival um oh, i'm not finding it oh wait this is it i think um i forget her name oh it's not logged in please I'll, I'll have to send it to you but basically the the idea is this is she um especially having daughters like these are the stories i love um so she encounters jesus at the well she's blown away like there's a lot i've talked about that story on this podcast multiple times because we we teach it one way and it's actually it's very different like he's um the, the fact that she had so many men uh, that were with her and then left her um, is a sign of rejection, not actually her sin, because uh, she couldn't file for divorce. A woman, a Samaritan woman couldn't file to, for divorce. So each of those men abandoned her. And the last one didn't care about her enough Wolf. to even give her a certificate yeah. of marriage. And that's that's what Jesus is calling out is not that she's this whore. He's calling out, you've been rejected by men over and over again. 
and here I am you. as a man oh, willing man. To, to accept you. Yeah. And so that's the power of that story. And so uh, she goes on and she's like, uh, she ends up leading, leading revivals, but she ends up like discipling all these women and ends up being feared by Nero. Nero was actually terrified of her to the point that she would walk right into his throne room and confront him on stuff and walk right out. And they tried to kill her over and over and over again. Couldn't kill her. Common story of a lot of the, both the apostles and the early, uh, early disciples of the apostles where they, they just couldn't be killed yeah. until God said it was time until God let them. And, uh, and then church history records that the, the time that she finally did die was when they threw her down a well. So the same place that she met Jesus for the first time oh, was the place that she went goodness. to be Jesus. Like, and yeah. And so she, but she became an, an apostle of the early church and led uh, these women that the leadership of, of, of their area was terrified of. And it's just, it's so powerful, but no, she didn't need anybody's permission. She didn't, you know, she didn't, she didn't need to go sit under somebody for a long time and learn. Like she had an encounter with Jesus that so radically that's transformed that's, her. And she went and that's the, the similarity world. with both of those stories is all that these people had is what Jesus did to them. And, you know, that's what she went, to, she went back to Samaria. She's like, come and see a man who told me everything about my life. And Samaria had revival. I'm just like, dude, we put, uh, this is, and this is where it gets like tricky with just like the church and stuff, but we have <laughs> such an emphasis on, you have to look like this in order to be used by God or go through this program or go through this, but man, what an encounter with Jesus can do. What a true, genuine encounter of being set free, experiencing him can do. Because both of these places, I mean, here's the, here's the other the church history story about, about this guy who got set free, is that area is known to be hippo. Do you know, do you know, what, do you know what that area, anything about that area? So it's, it's like a Roman, much, it was under no. Roman jurisdiction, but ch a church was planted there. And one of um, the writers for the Nicene Creed is from that church. And it all came from the seed of the de demoniac mm -hmm. that was set free because he was the first person that brought wow. Jesus to those people. And then churches were planted in that region where pagans were and Gentiles were. And so I'm just like, man, oh, this, this to me is like revival. This is the stuff where, where we, look, we look down at history and we go, these encounters with God actually changed regions. They changed people. Um, yeah. But man, so powerful. I've never heard that about the, the woman at the well. That's so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard it first from uh, Brian yep. Simmons, who wrote the Passion Translation, or was doing the Passion Translation, and looked it up. Yeah, and it's part of church history. It's just crazy because, like, it's one of those things, especially because she was female and, like, early church or throughout church mm. history. It just It's one of those things that gets buried. Um, but, so yeah, cool. really profound story. And I, I just, I, you know, with all this stuff, like, you can point to um, – 
so one of the things I, I've always heard, you know, I'm, I'm 31 and, um, been in, been in the church for a while. And, uh, I, but I kept, I always would hear when I was in my early twenties and stuff that I had to like, until you, you know, you're just in training, you're just in training, you're, you know, whatever. And I would hear that over and over again. And to the point I believed it. And now I'm like looking back and I'm like, man, I'm like looking at so many people and I'm like, uh, throughout Evan, revival history, like Evan Roberts, he was like what, 20, yep. 22 or something, 20, 21. It's like, he didn't, he wasn't in training. He was hungry, you know, and God was just looking for somebody who's hungry. And so I'm thinking like now, especially being we're fathers, you know, we have kids. I'm looking at how do I actually father, like God's going to bring us people. How do we as leaders identify there are going to be those like it's not like this is just free for all or everyone needs to be trained like yes. there's everything's intention so there's going to be those people totally. that's like hey you need to sit for a while and let's like let's work on your identity let's work on some of these things um before you do something and then there's going to be those people that's like god is doing something profound and i don't want to touch it i don't i don't want to have to stand before jesus and be like hey why did you squash evan roberts mm. i was going to out a revival through him and oh. you controlled him like you tried yeah. out of fear you controlled yeah. him and put him into your box like i just don't want to have no. that conversation with king jesus one day so how do you have any thoughts on like how do we how do we walk that out well how do we begin to identify like if if somebody from the lgbt <laughs> q r s however whatever they are now um, if somebody from that community encounters god in a profound way and God starts moving through them, they're reaching people all within their group, but still struggling with their sexual identity. What what do you do with that? That is Lonnie because you know, that, that's Lonnie Frisbee, you know. And yeah, it is. That, that's totally his, story. his story. I because I mean, think about it that way with Lonnie. You know, when I think about Lonnie, I always feel really teary. I don't know what it is about his life and about him, but. He is so special to Jesus to me and just such a special man. And mm -hmm. uh, that could have easily been done with Lonnie where they could have gone, you know what? We're not going to let you do ministry anymore. You've got to stop. You're too much on the fringe. You're too, you're, you know, you're still in sin, whatever it is. And there is a place for that. Hear me say that on here. I'm not saying that you can just live a sinful life and then do ministry there is a time and a place to be sat down. And many times what happens is you just get found out. And I think that's the grace of God for many people. Um, but imagine all of the people who would have not found Jesus if they would have sat Lonnie down. You know, you see those pictures of, of thousands of people getting baptized on the coast. And Lonnie's the one who's doing these you know, he's leading yeah. revival on the coast and the beaches of Southern California. And most of those people are going to church because he's the one who's preaching Jesus faithfully where people where the church wouldn't go. And he was reaching a demographic of people that the church thought, like what you were saying, the hippies, they're like, there's no way. And Lonnie's going like, there is a way <laughs> you know? I'm like, come on, Lonnie. And so I think what we need to answer your question is if if that happens where someone is you know still in a sinful lifestyle but God is obviously on them and want they want to be used by God is this is where fathers and mothers come in who can walk with mm. these people 
And I think of my spiritual father, my like original OG spiritual father was a 70 year old man named Eldon Blanford who saw a 13 year old, a 14 year old who didn't know anything about God. And he decided to teach me the things of God in the midst of me walking through pornography in the midst of me, um, not knowing my identity in the midst of me walking through my parents' divorce at the age of 14, he stepped in as a dad, Mm. more like a grandfather and said, Jonah, keep going, keep going. We'll keep, we'll clean up the mess later. Keep going hard after Jesus. And if it wasn't for Eldon, like, here's a great story. This, this literally happened to me. So I would go to this Monday night Bible study every week as a teenager. And I was the youngest person there. There was, it was room full of 40, 50, 60, 70 year olds. And Eldon was the leader of this Bible study. And, uh, there was one night that he was going after deliverance and there was a guy there who, who wanted to be free, but he didn't even really know what it was. He was like, I just know I need deliverance. And so Eldon says, sit down uh, in that chair. Jonah is going to pray for you. And I was like f- maybe 14, 15 years old. And he's like, Jonah's going to pray for you and you're going to get free. Which, first of all, I love that someone who is so qualified t- is putting me, who is totally unqualified, on the spot. How, why is he doing that? Because he's trying to teach me that I can do this. He's, he's showing me, hey, you're in a mm-hmm. safe place. Yeah. If you fail, your, your grandpa is going to back you up. But you need to try to cast this demon out. So at 14, he's like, you, you go ahead and you do it. But this is what's so crazy is this guy starts laughing. And he says, Jonah's going to help set me free. And Eldon points at this guy. This is, you can't make this stuff up, bro. Points at this guy and he says, a mocking spirit come out of him. And this guy lets out the biggest fart. Like, I know this sounds so crazy. And then he just gets beat red, beat red. And, and then at this point, everybody's laughing at him. So it's like so crazy. And Eldon ends up, you know, casting out this, this spirit out of this guy. It wasn't just a mocking spirit. It was some other stuff. But what I love about this, that story and so many other stories with Eldon specifically is he saw a guy, a, a young teenager, which I don't even know many youth pastors that would do what Eldon did with me. And he's like, I'm going to train you up at a young age and put you in places that are uncomfortable so that you can do it in your twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, and for the rest of your life. And, um, most of most people, like I said, most youth pastors and pastors would go like, you're 14 years old. You don't even deserve an opportunity like that. And then they don't even take the time to invest and get to know you to pull that stuff out of you. And I think, you know, for the generation of people that are, you know, w- whether it's an LGBTQ or whoever it is, and God's in the Holy Spirit fills them and they want to move. We need the Eldons. We need the fathers and mothers. We need people like you and I to go like, hey, let me help you walk through this. Um, let me put my shoulder around you. Yeah. I don't want to control you. And I definitely don't want to take what God's doing in your life, but I want to call it out and amplify it. And we'll work on the other stuff as we go. I mean, what would you say into it, into this? 
Yeah, I don't, I don't have the answer. I don't think, but I, I agree with everything you just said. I think the, um, I think we, we've made, um, well, I was thinking about this a little bit earlier. So out of reaction, mm -hmm. so we've taught these like self-help sermons. And then what I always see happen is in the pair, the Pentecostal, the charismatic, the spirit, quote unquote, spirit filled. I know that, um, I know that term can can be a little bit offensive because people are filled with the Holy Spirit, even though uh, they're not in the, one of those circles. But the, those titled circles, um, they they normally react to that to to poor preaching and and the world and culture like thriving in a in a you know in a negative sense um, with mm. holiness messages. We always like you'll always see that swing. And it's happening a little bit now, but these like very much like repent, like really strong holiness messages. And I'm all for holiness. Um, but what I, what I feel like we do is like religiously, like our reaction to, to that is like, we, we, mm. we always try to get as far from the world as possible and create these, like these barriers, wow. we create these barriers to God that aren't actually there. And, um, and holiness being, being one of those things where holiness is like it becomes performance when true holiness is like protection of, it's good. of the love and relationship you have with God. And like, if people don't have that relationship with God, you're calling them to perform something and to do something or not do something mm -hmm. that isn't even in their heart because they don't even know him yet, you know? And I think about that in regards to, to people like young Jonah you know, like it would be really easy to, <laughs> to hit you over the head with holiness and like, this is what, it, you know, but that would create shame and that's what that does. And I think, I think we create shame cultures because we get so concerned about what people are doing or not doing. Um, instead of I'm going to, I'm going to recognize the, the, the seed of God on your life and what he's doing. That's and great. I'm willing yep. to walk through the mess with you. And I, it's just rewording what, what you said, mm -hmm. but that, that, that idea of walking through the mess, like that would have saved me so much trouble if I had, and I, I did have some people in my life like that, but to have, to not feel like I had to perform and look a certain way and could actually be open about like, here's my struggles, here's what I'm going through and, and not be told, <laughs> oh, well that immediately disqualifies yeah. you because you're not, you're not walking in holiness. You know, you're not yeah, walking I think too, set apart. It's so good what you're saying, Ryan. I think you have to be willing if you're going to disciple people and really empower them because discipleship is empowering people. That's if you look at Jesus's model of discipleship, he empowered them and they belonged before they believed. These people belonged way before they ever really truly believed. You have to be willing and understand that there's going to be some Judases along the way. That if, if you're going to raise and empower people, yeah. they're going to take advantage of the power that you give them. And you have to be willing that, and you have to realize this is the, the cost of empowering them, but at least 11 are going to flip the world upside down. Maybe, maybe one will walk away. Maybe one won't oh. get it. And they'll, they'll take advantage the gift that you've given them, but at least you're going to have 11 that are going to take it and change the world. Um, and there's something else that you said that was just like, it's kind of the same topic, but I really feel like I'm supposed to hit it. Is the whole 
the whole idea about performance and ministry and really knowing the Lord for yourself, it's something that I'm seeing a lot with young ministers and people who are like young in ministry. And I am young in ministry. You're young in ministry. Like I said, I'm only 26 years old. But what I see a lot is a lot of them have the gift to preach and they have the gift and the, even the influence. They might even have so much social media influence. But when you get in a, ah, and this, just hear my heart. I'm like, ah, this is kind of touchy. But when you get in a room with some of these people, they talk way more about their ministries than they do Jesus. And I all, that's always a red flag for me yeah. when it's like they're, they're talking about their numbers or they're talking about, you know, all the things that they're seeing. And I'm like, I want to hear about what you're learning. I want to hear about what, who is Jesus to you? What, are you encountering him daily? Do you know him? Yeah. And do you know him personally? Like, yeah, do you know, him? or did you, or are you just so caught up with the gift and the ability that you can preach a good message because you learned from Judah Smith or whoever taught you, you know, I feel like most young preachers today preach like their favorite preacher. Um, and so this is the point I'm getting at is the anointing might be there. Maybe they really are called and gifted and anointed to preach, but I feel like there's a difference between the anointing upon you and the anointing within you. First John two twenty seven says that you need no need for a teacher because the anointing is in you and teaches you all things. And I don't necessarily think I, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, obviously, that indwelling presence of God. Bill Johnson puts it this way. He says, the Holy Spirit is on you for them, but he's in you for you. He's in you for you. And yeah, I want to see more people who have the calling. And this is what I think walking with people looks like is instead of, hey, here's a bunch of opportunities even though, yes, we should say yes to the, we should, you know, empower them. We need to teach them how to get into the secret place, how to get into their prayer closet and know the Lord and fall mm-hmm. more in love with Jesus than they do ministry. Because if you fall more in love with your ministry and your influence in your platform, and you don't have a strong spirit and know the anointing in you, your influence in your ministry will crush you. It just, we see it all the time. You'll you'll get to a place where you have yeah. so much people looking at you and pulling on the anointing on you that you're so drained because you're not pulling from the anointing in you. Does this make sense? And so, mm. you know, Jesus yeah, even puts it so this good. way. There's a river that goes out, but there's a well springing up to eternal life. That well is something that you draw from. The mm. river is what people draw from. And if all I have is the river flowing out of me, but I'm not drawing from this well of eternal life, of everlasting life for me, I'm going to be burnt out. And a lot of these, that's the thing I'm so afraid of. And I, I've yeah. seen it and I know it. It's not just something that I'm like speculating. I can, I see so many young people, their ministry is growing, their influence is growing and they call it God. I would say that it's just because we live in a day of influence for some of them. Some of it is it's easy to market. Yeah. It's easy to it's grow easy, your platform. Easy to market. What's not easy is cultivating the presence of God when no one's looking. <laughs> and if you can do that, you your ministry won't crush you. And and let me let me just go further on to say is 
I don't think we'll see, we'll see as many moral failures in the future if it's not so much about your ministry and it's more about intimacy, where you put a greater demand on intimacy with God than your influence for the world around you. Um, great example of this biblically, I think, is Paul the Apostle. A lot of people, I think, you know, I used to believe this when he had his road to uh, Damascus encounter and Ananias, you know, heals him and all, you know, he has all of these things happen where he meets the Lord. I always thought that Paul went straight into ministry and Paul didn't go straight into ministry. I'm sure maybe there was some demonstration, but it says that for 14 years, it says he retired and went away into the desert. And he unpacked the encounter that he had with Jesus. Like, what? And a lot of us were so ministry hungry. And this yeah. is kind of the flip side to what we're saying is like, okay, someone gets empowered. Let's like, you know, champion them in that. Yes. And if they don't learn secret place and get in here, I think that's where things can get really dicey and things can get really strange. And so that's a yeah. huge thing for me right now is realizing, Hey, with, with more influence, I need to put a greater demand in the secret place and being with the Lord. I think it was Heidi Baker who said this, she says, the more busy I get, the more time I spend with God. Well, how does that even make sense? (laughs) Like, how do you spend more time when more of your time is being pulled? And she, and she said, I actually can't do the things I'm doing for the Lord if I don't spend four to five to six hours a day with him. Now, Heidi, that's like an extreme, like four hours a day. Most of us can't even do that. Mm-hmm. But if you can find time to be with Jesus every day, to be in his word every day, pray every day, you're going to strengthen an internal pillar that can hold the ministry that God wants to put in your life. Is this making sense? Okay. Yeah, so good. I I feel like the theme of uh, our whole conversation together yes. has been like the the two tensions, and uh, we've like hit both sides of of everything. And I I'm so glad you're bringing this up. I I'm also I'm really thankful that even in my young my young I'm I am young, but like in my early days of this, um, you know, because I was seeing I was seeing signs, wonders, miracles, and uh, you don't know me super well, but like I was seeing so much happen that I was getting invited all over the place. And um, in many ways, like, I don't think that was God's will. I don't, I don't wow. think he wanted me getting invites everywhere to speak. And uh, I think, I think what he wanted, it was <laughs> me doing it in my day-to-day life. And what was, what God was trying to do in day-to-day life was becoming a ministry thing. And I'm so thankful that I had, I did have some fathers in my life that were able to step in at different seasons, different fathers at different seasons, but step in and, and basically say like, Hey, that's God. That's awesome. But Mm. is God on, on you when you speak? Like, do you know him in that way? Like, have you spent time with him that he himself, not just that the miraculous stuff happens through you, because that can happen through anyone. And then there's Mm. that scary verse in Matthew, like we did all the stuff. And Jesus says, but I never knew you. And, you know, they brought that to me and like helped, helped counter, counterbalance what was happening in my life. And I'm so thankful for that. I, you know, when I was with David Hogan, I asked him the question, like, you know, yeah. if he was going to start a ministry school or anything like that, like anything to train up people. Cause he brings down, he has missionaries that come 
but like there's a lot of people that need to learn from he's like one of the truest apostles when we talk totally. about like the wigglesworth and stuff like that like he's one of those people that mm-hmm. is a god's general that is alive today and it's like people need to experience that and he's like actually i'm i'm planning on starting a ministry school and i was like well, what does that look like and he said i would invite people to come and fast and lay on their face <laughs> and we'd do that for i think he said 40 days or something some some period of time they'd just be on their face and fast and pray for that amount of time wow. and he's like then we'd get up and i'd send them out throughout mexico and to go do the stuff and it's like that that is the counterbalance like you actually need both and i've had leaders who would you know were wow. in the car together and they're just like hey let's just invite him you know and like teaching me how to enter in, into the presence of god or or being around him wow. and he, he would just drive around and pray in the spirit constantly and um mm. and it's just like i think i think that's the other side of this is like god is going to bring these people and you can't it's not we can't shut down what god's doing in them we need to celebrate it champion it but they also need to the god that is moving through Personally. them they need to know and how, I think, how do they access bro, him this is them. how you see sustained yeah. revival is are you experiencing revival personally mm. In your own life is not just are you seeing it out there, yeah. but when you go home, is your family in revival? Is your does it feel like mm-hmm. that presence that you brought to that church if you went and ministered? Is it in your home? Are you encountering him like that in your home? And uh, if we could teach people that, I would yeah. say we're going to be in revival for years and years and years to come. Because they're experiencing it on on a daily basis. Um, I think it was even Paul that said, and this is really uh, a touchy thing for pastors and stuff, but he said that you can't even be an elder at a church if your kids don't know the Lord. And I'm like, oof, that's crazy because mm-hmm. it would that would put a lot of people out of a of a ministry job. Yeah. But he, what he's te- what he's teaching is hey if you can't actually lead revival in your home how can we trust you to lead it here and what would it why would you want to gain the whole world but lose your family why would you want to save the whole world and lose your family at the end of the day Hmm. and uh, i don't know i could just go on and on and on about this because that's that's where i'm at right now i'm 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 not known enough to feel the weight of that but i know people that are and the only way to sustain it is to have your inner world so in love with him that the love for ministry and all of these other things it doesn't do something to you because you're just so in love with the man jesus and there's certain people that come to mind i know we're over time but you know i I think of people like Corey russell who is you know in a he was in ihop kansas city for 20 years in a prayer room leading prayer. And I feel like I knew him back then, but he's like starting to get even more known now. And I'm just like, wow, look at the consistency on a man of prayer, Mm -hmm. on a man who dedicated his life to a prayer room. Um, Or, you know, the Heidi Bakers, you know, there's so many people who have been faithful in the secret place. And you can see the consistency and the sustainability on their ministry because they're so strong in here with the Lord. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I, I would dare say this is like, yeah, I'll just say it. This might be my opinion, um, but I dare say like the level of promotion and, and uh, marketing and all the stuff is almost in an opposite Oof. spectrum of like how much of God they walk in. Um, so you look at like Heidi Baker, David Hogan, even Corey Russell, like there's so many people that they do everything mm. they can just to keep to themselves and do what God's told them to do. And those are the people that walk in power. And then you see the people who are doing everything they can to promote wow. themselves. And it's just like, it seems like it's an opposite, you know, a, a pendulum. Oh that, man. That swings. I feel like this um, is the conversation that we could have again. Yeah. Cause, uh, oh, I just think like, even with that, like you can, I would, I want to ask you this question because yeah, you've been in the, in this longer than I have, but where is promotion even? Okay. Is it okay? I, yeah, I, (laughs) this is one I've struggled with, Uh you know, because I actually, I did everything I could not to promote myself and had, you know, three, I had three years when we moved here, God basically made me disappear. And I was a little bit more known and and doing some traveling and conferences and stuff Mm. like that before. And then I just dropped off the map on purpose because God asked me to. And, um, and then, but then coming out of that, God started talking to me about this podcast and he's like, I want you to start this. And I absolutely would not do it because of the perception of self-promotion. And, uh, I had to kind of die to that. And there's some things now like, um, I feel like I'm supposed to do like, you'll, you'll, you'll see me on Instagram. I'm doing a lot more of on my personal Instagram of showing my family Mm. and just showing like what it looks like just to have a healthy family and a healthy marriage. And my wife and I have talked and we really feel like, I feel like a key moving forward. I feel like the the leaders that God's going to promote, um, are going to be fully surrendered to him and willing to be vulnerable enough to allow the world to see their life and see, see that they're just, they're, they're people who are just figuring stuff out and they're willing to be empowered by Holy spirit. I, I, yes. Like I see people like the greens, if you know, Jesse and Parker green mm-hmm. and like just people who are just like, this is us like it or hate it, whatever. Um, this is us. We love Jesus and we're going for it. Um, and so I think it's less about promotion. I don't, you don't really see Jesus ever promote himself. You don't see Paul ever promote himself. I do think there's mm-hmm. an element within like evangelism that it can be necessary. Um, but it's not yes. promoting the man is it's, it's getting the message out there and ex- export exporting the message, exporting what God's doing. And so I've been very careful. I want to live my life. Like Paul told Timothy, like I want people to see my growth. I want them to be able to look at my life and see, wow, he's, he's different even in a month's wow. time from what we, from our perspective, like he's grown, like he loves Jesus more. He, he loves his wife more. He loves his kids more. He's more loving wow. to people now than he was, you know, a year ago. Um, but the second I'm doing it to like get my, <laughs> myself seen more, I think that's the, the issue. And it's like, even though I carry the message and I'm not, I don't think God's afraid of me being seen. I don't think God's afraid of you being seen or people knowing who we are or anything like that. I don't think God's afraid of that. I think that's even God's intention for the future, but I'm not gonna, it's the, it's that in humble yourself time. under the mighty hand of the Lord and in due time, he will exalt you. 
I just, I don't ever want to do the exalting because if I do the exalting, I have to do the holding up too. <laughs> I have to like keep myself there. And I think there's a lot of people that we're seeing even now that there was a lot of exalting that wasn't the hand of the Lord. Yes. And because of that, it's falling. Like he'll, that he'll maintain so it. I want In him to maintain time, it. I don't want to have to maintain he it. He will exalt you. Oof. So good. That's a great response, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Man, I've loved <laughs> this conversation. I'm sure there's going to be many more, whether on the podcast or not. Um, man. So I want to, I want to uh, have kind of a closing question, but first, how can people, yeah, how can so people you can follow, follow me you? At, keep up with uh, you and, on Instagram at Jonah coin. Um, that's as simple as it gets. J O N A H C O Y N E. It's not like the money coin. <laughs> and then, um, you can follow our ministry at stay live just to learn more about what we're doing and suicide prevention and reaching Gen Z. And then our website is www.stayhere.live. And yeah, you can learn more there and reach us there. Yep. Awesome. So good. Well, um, I'm going to have you answer this. And then also, if you can, you can just pray. I think um, just whatever's on your heart. You can, yeah. If you get words or words of knowledge or whatever, you can go for it. Or if you just want to pray a blessing over the people. Um, but if, if all of humanity was listening right now uh, to this podcast, they all tuned in, uh, just wow. speak right to them. What do you have to say? Take as long as you, you yeah, need. It can be one minute. I would just minutes, say to you, the listener, that what Ryan and I were just talking about is something that it's, it's, these are not just ideas or good ideas. These are some, these are things that I'm living and have been living for years. Uh, I've been a follower of Jesus for um, almost 14 years now. And I, I can tell you this with the most sincerity of heart. I am what I am because I have fallen in love with Jesus. And it's not because I have, um, I've tried to, make something of myself or work harder or do better. I have found that the simplest way to actually live a fruitful life is to be engrafted into the vine. And I'm reminded of John 15. Uh, I think it's verse four where it says, you can do nothing apart from me. This is the words of Jesus. And he says, but if you are connected to me, in me, abiding in me, you will bear fruit, much fruit. And then he goes on to say, you will bear fruit that remains fruit that lasts. I think every person listening to me right now, you want to bear fruit that goes beyond you. We all want to leave a legacy. We all want to do something amazing. But the moment that you try and do that on your own strength, I think a lot of these things that we're working for, they'll die at the end. But if we yield ourselves and surrender and say, I can't do this, Lord. I can't live this life on my own. I need you. I want you. He will work through your life. His power will work through you. Uh, you know, Ephesians 3.20 says um, that he will do exceedingly and abundantly and above all that you could ever ask or imagine according to the power that's at work within you. God wants to do these things that we've been talking about through your life. He wants to 
raise the dead through you. He wants to heal the sick through you. He wants to win and save the lost through you. And I believe that the answer to all of these things that we're talking about, where it will remain and where, because I'm 26, Ryan said he's 31, right? 31. I want to be doing this when I'm 90. And I want to burn more for Jesus at 90, 100 years old, if I get to 100, than I am at 26. How am I going to do that? It's not by falling in love with what God does through me. It's by falling in love with him. It's about ministering to his heart. It's about being someone that actually loves the word and doesn't just talk about the word. And so my exhortation to you today is fall in love with the person of Jesus. Go crazy for him. Go after him because we know this. You look like the person you spend the most time like with. You look like the person that you are best friends with. You start to talk like them. A lot of people, when they get around me and my brother Jacob, they think that we're twins. I personally don't think we look anything alike, but our mannerisms are the same. We talk kind of similar. A lot of people, when I was doing TikTok, as my brother's big TikTok influencer, when I started doing TikTok, people thought I was Jacob, but I changed my name. And they're like, we don't even look that much alike. But the reason for that is because he's my best friend and I have a lot of history with him. If you have history with God, God will make history through you. If you spend time with him in the secret place when no one else is looking, you will receive a reward in the public place. And that's him. You'll carry Jesus everywhere that you go. And so get alone with him when no one's looking. Be with him. Fall in love with the scriptures and uh, ask for these things. This is the last thing I'll say is we're supposed to be hearers and doers of the word, not just hearers. When we hear things like what Ryan and I are talking about, it's an invitation for you to seek it. It's an invitation for you to go after it yourself. And you have the opportunity right now to go and pray and seek the Lord and say, God, I want these things on my life. These are the things that I did when I was young is I heard stories of Smith Wigglesworth. I heard stories of John G. Lake. And I said, God, if you can use them, you can use me. Use me to do these things for you. Use me to heal the sick. I want to do these things. I don't want to just hear about them. I want to do them. And so here's the promise in scripture for you. God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's Hebrews eleven six, And then in Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, if you seek God with all of your heart, you will find him. The promise of seeking the Lord is finding him. He is terrible at playing hide and seek. He's the worst at it. He is not a good hider, but he definitely wants to be found by you. So seek him with all of your heart and you'll find him. That's what I would say to all of you. And I just want to take the time now to pray and and just pray for any any of you who are listening so where you want more of the Lord. You're, you know, you've listened to what Ryan and I are talking about. I just, I know that there's a grace on my life for people yeah. to just launch into that more. And I want to, I want to pray for you for that. So Father, I just thank you so much, God, for this conversation. I thank you for what, what Ryan is doing and hosting these conversations. And Lord, right now, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that for anyone who's listening, anyone under the sound of my voice, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would fill their home, that you would fill the coffee shop, that you would fill the car, and that you would come upon them now, that you would clothe them with power from on high, and that they would be your witness throughout all of the earth. And Father, I pray that they would 
fall more in love with you than any other thing. Draw them into the secret place. Draw them into the word. Draw them into prayer. And Father, I just see specifically there's a man, you're listening to this in your car, and God is encountering you right now. He's touching you right now. You know that you're, you're wanting more of him, and he's touching you right now. And he's even healing something in your body. I don't know if this is specifically for you, but I can feel it now that there's someone who has uh, this, it's this tight pressure in your lower back. God is relieving that pressure right now. And Father, I just thank you for anyone else who's listening to this. They need a touch from you, a healing, whatever it is, heal them in Jesus' name. You said that you sent forth your word and healed. Lord, we send it forth now. Touch every person listening and draw them closer to your presence, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So good. Wow. Seriously, bro. We got to do this again. This has been amazing. <laughs> let's, please, please, let's do For this sure. Again. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and taking time. Um, well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, this has been The Fire Podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Fire Podcast with Ryan Rhodes. Fire Movement has a mission to bring people face-to-face -face with the real Jesus. If you love this show and ministry, please consider subscribing, leaving a five-star rating, and most importantly, sharing the podcast with others on social media. Also, would you please consider one-time or monthly support to help us sustain and grow this show so that others can be stirred to hunger for more of the real Jesus? You can do so by going to firemovement.com support, Venmo at firemovement, or cash app dollar sign firemovement. Thank you.